0: hallelujah man just the majesty of God in this service this morning just the majestic manifested presence of God I mean I don't know if it's getting past the front row but i tell you on the front row it's awesome just the presence of the Lord in this place we don't take it God's everywhere but his manifested presence so many wonderful things are happening in His presence, and uh, we're just so thankful uh, for that. Man, I mean, I don't even know how to even talk about the worship service today. Just, we're just getting started, but my Lord, I just, like they used to say in the old church, if you didn't feel that this morning, your wood's wet and your blanket's wet or something. <laughs> Glory. I uh, I just want to make a couple of comments since today is the official day that we're uh, at least releasing the book uh, to you guys, and uh, I want to thank my son. I don't worry; he's gonna scoot it out of here. Uh, actually, the uh, publisher in Dallas, and we're so thankful for them, uh, Michelle Prince, uh, Prince Publishing, and, and and so forth. But uh, actually, that's not the the book cover that it was supposed to be, or that they had came up with, and. I showed it to Justin one Sunday night, and he's like, "Dad, come on, uh, we can do better than that." And uh, I mean, in just a matter of moments, he found uh, some artwork and uh, and uh, Aaron. I don't know if Aaron's here this morning. Is Aaron Musgrove here? Uh, Aaron, where are you at? wave? Right here he is, uh, Aaron. Such a wonderful uh, gift uh, to the community, to the body of Christ. And so, Justin called Aaron. Uh, who has his own graphic company and just so many things so artistic so wonderfully gifted and uh, I mean by the next day they had that cover uh, put together and Aaron thank you so much and Justin thank you so much Um, they just did an awesome job I was just blown away I know what I want when I see it but I can't really tell you until I see it that's kind of way I'm wired but uh but these guys can see it before it actually manifests and that's a great gift and and so I do appreciate Aaron and Justin working on that cover for us and getting that done. And I've learned so much. through It wasn't just writing the manuscript. It's, that's when the, the learning started once I was through with that. I told John, I'm amazed that any of you would want me to sign your book or anything. But So I'm going to do that because you, for some reason you want that. So I'm just kind of, I'm really, I'm amazed that, you know, anyway. So I'll sign your book. I told Johanna, I said, what do you do when you sign a book? I don't know how you, you sign my name or what, you know, so, so if you, you know, I'll sign your book, though, it's my honor to do that, and, and so we're going to do that after the service today, and as Pastor Johanna said, it is, uh, I know with me, I just download books if I buy them, and so it's available out there on Kindle, uh, you can go to Amazon, and, uh, Amazon, you can download it to your device, and, uh, that's just a neat way you can have it just like that, you know. And uh, actually, it's a little bit cheaper that way. I found out why Amazon is so rich because they get all the money out of everything that they sell. And uh, uh, so, but that's a, it's a blessing to be able to be on that uh, worldwide uh, internet market to be able to get the gospel out. And uh, so many already, uh, you know, have... Uh, uh, emailed me or texted me or communicated with me through Facebook and just said that the book has really changed their life. And so for that, we're, we're just so grateful and thankful. Amen. I know you're standing, and we're going to stand while we read the Scriptures, our custom here at Grace Point. Isaiah 54, and uh, verses 1 through 5. Uh, today the title is Rejoice, O Barren. And those words are actually just like that. I won't read it because it's really going to be the same passage, but in the New Testament, Galatians 4.27, it says, Rejoice, O barren. And we're going to use that as a title. Isaiah 54 says, Sing, O barren. You who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Now, that is the prophet Isaiah prophesying. And his prophecy is so significant. And this whole chapter is so powerful. And I don't have time to go through every verse by verse, but we could. And it's awesome. What I want you to remember before we let you sit down and pray is Isaiah 53 is the passage that Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah, the new covenant, the crucifixion. It's in Isaiah 53 that we find that by His stripes we are healed. It's in Isaiah 53 that we find that He bore in His body on the tree our sins and our sicknesses, that the chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and that He bore the punishment for sin. He... Gave his life in sacrifice. Isaiah starts off in 53 and said, Who has believed the report of the Lord? And to whom is the arm of the Lord extended? Isaiah is like a news reporter saying, I'm going to give you a report of what's going to transpire, but nobody's going to believe it. It's going to be too awesome. It's going to be too too strange to man's mind. But this is how I'm going to bring redemption to mankind. And because, and only because of Isaiah 53, can we start out in Isaiah 54 rejoicing, even while we're still barren. And let me say, I'm, we're not talking about, and the prophet's not talking necessarily specifically about people that are barren, but if you're here today and you're a woman and you're married and in covenant and want to have a baby, kind of needed to get it in that order, then we have seen God many times open wombs where doctors said you can't uh, be pregnant. But what Isaiah is talking about is any area in your life where you are suffering barrenness, and I'm just going to go on to say that all of us, including the one talking, have areas in our life that are barren to us. We're not bearing fruit in that area, whether it's manifesting your healing in your body, whether it's financial, whether well, it doesn't matter, the list is endless. But in any area that we are barren, there is a reason that we can go ahead before we see the physical proof of it and rejoice because of Isaiah 53. Because of what God did in Isaiah 53, then we can believe Isaiah 54 and we can go ahead and rejoice even though we're barren. We're not saying we're not barren, but what makes us different is that our our husband is the Lord. He's the God of the whole earth. Amen? Man, I feel like preaching this morning. I've missed you guys. I've been gone a couple of weeks. I very seldom ever miss the pulpit here two weeks in a row, not because I think I'm the best guy but I'm have responsibility for here and but it just worked out our schedule we was over in I preached in Boston last week Boston Georgia and uh, had a great time with Apostle Calloway over there at uh, his church and preached and ministered uh, there and so we're so thankful for him and Pastor Adam who ministered here uh, last Sunday and we're thankful for these men let us pray father oh father help us to rejoice today Help us to see what you accomplished in the finished work of the cross. Help us to see what the prophet Isaiah revealed in Isaiah 53. And may us, Lord God, actually believe it to the point that we can do what he told us to do in Isaiah 54. We give you glory, honor, and praise in advance. And I declare every area that's barren to be made fruitful today. I pray that this service today would edify this church. I pray that the church would be built up and strengthened because of your word. I pray that Jesus Christ, our Savior, your son, would be glorified. And I pray the devil be horrified by what's released in the realm of the spirit today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everybody said you can be seated. Look over to somebody, tell them they're pretty as they can be this morning. Barrenness is a frustrating condition in any area of our lives. And yet, God's Word tells those of us who are experiencing barrenness to rejoice. Sing, he says, O barren. Galatians says, Rejoice, O barren. Why? Because the previous chapter says the chastisement for our peace fell upon Jesus. And let me say that word peace there in the Hebrew means completeness, it means soundness, it means health, it means healing, it means safety, it means provision. In, in other words, all the benefits uh, are yours and mine today because of the cross and what Jesus accomplished when he died, was buried, and resurrected. Can you say amen? Now, I, I should have told you guys, and maybe you can follow with me, but I want to use the message translation. I know they have it, I don't know how the how long it takes them to pull it up. But I want to read Isaiah 53 from the message translation, verses 1 through 5. And so I want, just, the, just the wording of it uh, is so awesome. Isaiah 53, uh, 1 through 5. It says, listen, Who believes what we've heard and seen, the prophet says? Uh, who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? This servant, the servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. He's talking about why he was on the cross now. He said, we looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried It was our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. Glory to God. Can you say amen to what Jesus accomplished? So what does God tell us to do? In light of that right there, God wants you right now in whatever area that you are bearing in to start rejoicing as if the fruit of the harvest that you want to see has already come. God wants you to rejoice even though you don't see anything, don't feel anything. It's not based on what you see. Because faith is a subject of things hoped for. But the evidence of those things are not yet seen. And if you believe it, then you start rejoicing in the fact that you believe and your faith is in not what you see, but in what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And you start rejoicing in that. And and he wants you to start thinking that way. He wants you to start speaking that way. He wants you to start acting as if the barrenness in your life is no more. Do you hear me? If, If you're financially barren, then he wants you to start planning for what you're going to do when the finances are increased in your life and you have them in your checkbook. He, if you're sick, then he wants you not to wait until the doctor says you well to declare and start rejoicing. Go ahead and start rejoicing anyway. Start planning on what you're going to do when you can do now what you can't do yesterday. Because by his stripes, you have already been healed. Somebody says, I don't understand that. You don't have to understand it. You just have to believe in it. He says this, I want you to enlarge the place of your tent. To enlarge the place of your tent. How? He says this, by stretching the curtains of your dwelling. And I want to tell you this, one word has stood out to me so strong as I thought about this. God wants you to stretch. I'm telling you there are some things that God has for you, but the only way that you're going to be able to receive them is to stretch for them. Not because God's withholding them for you, because God wants you to stretch. That the season is going to be a stretching season that we're we're coming into right now. You got to understand that He said, "I want you to, to to stretch out the curtains of your dwelling." In other words, you have to go ahead and and stretch out and believe that you're going to receive what grace has said that God has provided for you. I remember many years ago, and Pastor Keith would know this. And in fact, I was thinking about you this morning, Pastor Keith, when. When I remember a word that I gave you, I don't know how many years ago. Do you remember how many years ago that word about the stretching? It's been more than 10 years ago or, or longer. But I, I thought about this. I said, well, if I do that, they'll think I'm crazy, and somebody might be videoing me, and they'll put it on YouTube or something. But I started to just bring a pocket full of rubber bands and just, and just start shooting them out here in every section. But think about this. You're, 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 you're you Listen, you can visualize this. But if you take a rubber band, just something as simple as that, and if, I'm, if I brought you up here or if I said I'm going to throw this as hard as I can over it, Mike, I'm going to throw this rubber band over I'm probably not even going to be able to reach him. I'm probably not even going to make it halfway just taking the rubber band and throwing it, right? But if I take the rubber band and stretch it, but see, listen to me. Listen to me. This is a word of the Lord for some of you. But see, when you stretch a rubber band, you're not pulling it this way forward. You're pulling it backwards. And, you, and you're pulling it backwards. And once it gets back as far as it needs to go, you release it. And it is propelled forward further than it could ever have gone by us throwing it. Some of you have been in a time and a season where all you see is the pullback. You've been pulled back financially. You've been pulled back in health. You've been pulled back in a lot of areas. And the devil is trying to get you to focus on how you've lost ground how you've been pulled back. You're not where you used to be in whatever that is, financial, whatever, and you've been pulled back. But I'm telling you by the word of the Lord that you might have been pulled back, but it's only so you can be released and to be propelled and projected into a place that you've not been before. God's going to launch you into an area, into a place of ministry, in a place that you've not been before. Listen, you've not exhausted all of God's blessings. You've not exhausted all the things that God's got planned for you. And so don't worry about the pullback. That same principle works. I remember the word of the Lord Keith that God gave me for Keith years ago that I saw him as an arrow, that God had reached in his quiver and pulled him out and placed him in the bow and, and pulled him back. And all he saw was to pull him back, pull him back. But it was the only reason you've been pulled back is to release you and to launch you into a place that you've not been before. And the enemy, all he wants us to do is focus on the pullback, focus on the lost ground, the lost finances, the lost relationships, the lost this. You had not lost anything. You had not lost anything. Because he says that if you believe this, he said, I want you to enlarge the place of your tent. I want you, I remember when... Uh, I won't, I won't call the names this morning. I have in the past, but, I, but it goes out so far now. I just, I'll just be courteous and won't call the names. But there's so many, my wife, Pastor Keith, my parents, so many of you, Ben and Liz, so many of you, Billy Ray, they, they know of what I speak, and they know it's true. Many years ago, when I first started uh, the church, I pastored in Sparks, uh, we we had a couple in the church. They neither one had a, held a position or anything like that. They just attended the church and, and they began to to uh, come forward and they said, "We want us to want you to pray that we would have a baby." And so many times I remember three, four, five times. I don't remember specifically that we the church would do what the Bible said. We would gather around them. We would anoint them with oil. We would pray and and, and we would we would we would believe for them to, to have a baby. They were doing the medical part too. Nothing wrong with that. They were going to the Doctors, they had both been checked out medically. And and, uh, and the wife was told by three different, and they would get one opinion, and they'd say, well, we're going to go get a second opinion. And they got a second opinion, and they said, we're going to go get a third opinion. And uh, this lady went to three different gynecologists. And the last one looked at her and said, "Uh, I understand you've already gone to two. They've given you the same report that I'm going to give you today. And he looked at her, and he said, it is anatomically impossible for you to conceive and to be able to conceive, uh, much less carry a child. And so that's the report of the medical community. We love doctors, we love nurses, and we love people that try to help people be well. But they don't have the final word, they don't have the last word. They're doing the best they can. And I want to say something else to you. And I've been, I was in the medical field. I wasn't a doctor, I was a road doctor. I was called a paramedic, in case you don't know. we the road doctors. But I did that for 20 years. And, uh, and so I know about the medical, and that's what really hinders you if you start getting uh, problems or sick because you know too much and your mind can really just go and carry you to places you don't want to go because you know it's not as perfect and complete and sterile and as, as people imagine it is. It's called practicing medicine, and we're the guinea pigs, and they're the one that's practicing, hallelujah. But but, but listen, that whole that whole uh, uh, world of medical, the, the doctors for some reason have been trained in the whole the whole uh, atmosphere of that is to give you the worst-case scenario when you go to them. They're going to tell you the worst possibility. They don't want you to get your hopes up. Man, we need to get your hopes up. You, without hope, you can't even have faith. Hope is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of hoped for. Faith is like the seed, but hope is like the soil. You got to have something to put your faith in. You got to have hope that things are going to be better. You got to have hope that you're going to get well. You're going to have to have hope that you're going to overcome this thing that whatever this thing is in your life. And so they give you the worst case scenario. And if you believe that and start acting upon that, then I mean, but see, but by his stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were were healed. He bore our sin in his body on the tree, it says. He bore our sickness, and by his stripes you were. He's quoting from Isaiah who says, by his stripes you are healed. And so if I are, then I am, and if I am, then I'm is. I know it's bad grammar. But you get the point. So so you, you say and you come into agreement with what God says. Even last night and this weekend, this past forty-eight hours have been very difficult. Uh, meanwhile was telling me that the Lord moved upon her to begin to pray for me in these last three days. Oh, it just touched my heart so much that, that that God's got intercessors and people that would would respond to the prompting of the Spirit to pray for their leaders. I covet your prayers. I need your prayers. And even as, as of last night, I mean, uh, just uh, the the you know just throughout the day, and I don't want to get into all the details, but just. Me and my wife and, you know, things in my body was trying to act, my, even my, my physical heart. And I, I just laid the Bible on my chest. And even as I sat there, I looked through the scripture and and I just put in my computer, I looked at the scripture to say, my heart. And I just said, I'm going to find me a verse to stand on right now because uh, this is this going on right now. This tachycardia has got to stop. And, uh, and, and, and just, it makes you feel so bad and you just get weak and you get short of breath and, you start breaking out in a sweat, and, and the devil's there to just tell you you're fit to die, and you're going to have to go to the hospital. I know what they're going to do if I go to the hospital. I wouldn't be preaching to you this morning. And, and uh, you know, you'd have been all right, but I'd have missed you. And I just, I, I just laid, you know, and, 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 and it went on for hours and hours and hours. And it's so frustrating when you speak to your mountain. Jesus told us to speak to the mountain. The church is so foreign. We speak to God about our mountains. But Jesus modeled this for us. Jesus didn't only said in Mark 11, speak to your mountain. Just speak to that mountain. And your mountain is what? Whatever's your mountain, whatever's your problem. It can be sickness. It can be, it doesn't matter what it is. But whatever is trying to block you from getting where you will need to go, that's your mountain. And God said to just speak to it because I've already provided everything you need to get through it. You just need to speak to it. So Jesus said if, if, if we'll believe in our heart the things that we say, then we can have the things that we say or we can say the things that we have. See, the doctor will tell you what you have and you can say the things that you have, but it takes faith to rise up and say things that you don't have yet. To go ahead and rejoice even though there's barrenness in that area of your life. And and so Jesus, not only did he say that in Mark 11, he, he spoke to a fig tree. Why? Because the fig tree was lying to him. The fig tree said that if I got leaves, I got fruit. But the fig tree had the leaves, but it didn't have the fruit. And Jesus said that you lied to me. You made me walk all the way from over yonder to come all the way over here because I thought I was going to get to enjoy some figs. So you lied to me. And since you lied, you lying symptoms, you lying test results, you lying manifestations, you lying. See, some of you need to talk to your checkbook. You say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, that somebody would talk to your checkbook. Well, it talks to you. My checkbook talks to me. If I look in there and see little numbers, that checkbook starts speaking to me (laughs) loudly. And along with the words that it says comes fear. And then I try to think of a plan and what's Dale going to do about it. See, it's getting quiet up in here now. You got to talk to what your mountain is, whatever it is. So Jesus spoke to the fig tree. And the Bible said the disciples heard it. That's a weird thing to do, speak to a fig tree. It's weird for me. I, I wasn't raised in Christendom that I was raised around to speak to diseases. I was trained to beg God and ask him to do something about it. And we wonder why we don't see more. Because we're, we're not doing what Jesus did. We're not doing what God told us. We're not speaking to a problem. We beg and plead and ask God to do something. And we, and we wonder why it doesn't work. The Bible says that we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. It didn't say they get an instant miracle. Everybody said they would recover. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. You don't ask God to cast them out. Even, there's a lot of the sections of the church don't even believe demons exist. I don't know what they do with all the horror in the world that goes on, but demons are real. and I don't like to give them much air time, but they, they are real. And so you don't have to negotiate, counsel them out. You just cast them out. What with the Word of God. You don't have a formula. You have a God. You have a Savior. And so you just cast them out. And and, and uh, so we, you know, church, at least Pentecostal charismatic background, people kind of got a paradigm for that. They can go, well, yeah, I mean, if I, you know, I, you cast it out. Well, you do the same with any kind of disease or sickness. Yeah. Just like you would speak to the demon, I command you to come out of the person. Then you also do that to the cancer. I command you to come out of the person. Yeah. See how quiet it gets? See, it's foreign to us still. We're going to get to a day that's going to be normal. I will not have to preach on it and waste time. I'm not wasting time, but I, I, I wish I could move on to other things and not have to talk about it. I wish it was such a part of the psyche and the mentality and the faith-based realm of the church that I wouldn't even have to talk about it, but I have to talk about it. So you speak. Even when Jesus visiting Peter, Peter's mother, uh, had a fever, and the Bible said Jesus rebuked the fever. He spoke to the fever. So you don't go, oh, God, please make the fever leave Mama. You just say, I command you, fever, to come out of this body. You speak specifically to what it is. Well, what if I do it and it don't work? Right there you go. That's the reason it don't work because you're still in what-if land. And see, it's not that you don't have faith. And we don't understand the difference between faith and belief. See, in Mark 9, there was a man that brought his little son to his disciples to get him delivered of demons, and they prayed for him, and they, they delivered many people. They'd raised the dead. They'd done amazing things. But when they brought this little, this daddy brought his little boy to the disciples. Now, Jesus is not there. He's up on the Mount of Transfiguration with, with Peter, James, and John up there. They're, 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 the three of them's off, you know. And so now you've got uh, the disciples there, th- those nine left, and they can't do it. It's so frustrating when you try to stand on what you know is right and do the Word of God, and it don't work, seemingly. So they pray for the boy, and nothing happens, he's still demonized. And, see, the more times that you're prayed for and you believe that nothing happens, the more that builds up unbelief in you. And a lot of you don't understand the difference between faith and unbelief, and I'm not saying they're intrinsically separate, but they are, there is some overlap, but they are different. Because, see, the, faith you, the problem is not your faith. The problem is, is our unbelief. The Bible says that God has given to every man the, not a. See, some of you have been raised to think this guy over here has a bunch of faith. He's got big faith, and this guy over here has got little faith. And you've been taught to believe that, you know, the problem is you don't have faith. And you think when Jesus said, oh, you have little faith, that he was saying there's little faith, there's medium faith, there's king size, you know, there's supersized faith. There's none of that. There's just faith. And, and Paul said this, the faith that I live by, I live by the faith of, of the Son of God. So the faith you have is the faith of the Son of God. The Bible says, in Ephesians 2 8 and 9, that for by grace you've been saved through faith. For, but by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. It is not of works, it's not of you. The, 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 the Bible says that we have been saved by grace through faith. Both of these are the gift of God. So the grace is the gift of God, listen, and the faith is the gift of God. You can't even take credit for the, the saving faith. In other words, the faith that you used to get saved was not something you. Produced, manifested on your arm. That was given to you as a gift. So listen, every man has the measure of faith given to him. Whose faith do you have? It's not your faith, it's the faith of Jesus. Paul said again, "The, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of, not in. Most of you read that faith in. No, no. Paul said, I have the faith of the Son of God. When did you get it? When you got born again. God gave you the measure of faith. So it, your faith ain't faulty because it's the faith of Jesus. Amen. Jesus gifted you with his faith. You have his faith. Amen. You may not be utilizing it. You may not be actualizing it. You may, but the, the problem is not your faith that you got messed up faith. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, hearing by the word of God. So when you hear what Jesus said and you agree with it, that caused that faith to go active. Amen. Are you hearing me? All right, but that man said, "I brought my son to your disciples." Jesus now shows up, and he said, "I brought my son to your disciples; that they, they might deliver him." And he said they couldn't do it. And then he looks at Jesus and says, "This, this is in Mark nine. If you can do anything, just please help us." See, everybody in the church wants to put it off on God. That way it's easy. We don't have responsibility. We just blame God for our impotence, our lack of power. So he said, "If you can do anything, you help us." Jesus said, mm-hmm, "You shove it on me?" He said, "If you can believe." Notice he didn't say if you have faith. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. He said, Lord, I believe. And then he said this, Lord, help my unbelief. You know, the guy, I love that guy. The guy said, I believe, doing the best I can. But I realize I probably got some unbelief in me, and I'm asking you to help me in that area too. Why did that man have unbelief? Because he carried him to somebody who's supposed to be able to help him, and they didn't help him. And every time that happens to you, we build up more and more unbelief. The problem's not your faith. The problem is your belief. If you can believe. So what happens when you believe? So the couple again comes to me and says, we want to have a baby. So I just felt the Lord on this one night, and I said to the, to the husband, I said, you, you really believe God's going to give you a baby in spite of what these three gynecologists said? And he said, yeah, I'm believing God for a baby. I said, do you have a nursery in your home? Some of you ain't going to like this this gets it out of the church Sunday morning realm puts it into your house I said do you have a nursery he said no I said you don't believe it because if you believed that God was going to give you a baby you'd prepare for it you'd rejoice while you're still barren. you would make provision for what you believe because see you said you believed it but you don't believe it because faith without works is dead now at this time in the season in their life her parents didn't come to my church his parents didn't come to my church. Most of them are with the Lord now. But they wasn't really thrilled that their son and daughter were attending that cult in Sparks. I'm not saying they called me a cult, but a lot of people did. So, huh? Yeah, they probably still do. They, uh, so that person, that's this husband, they went and built a nursery. Oh my God! The hell you catch when somebody does that! I can't believe that they that preacher told them to get a nursery. That that it's going to be so heartbreaking when they don't when it don't happen when they don't get a baby and they got that nursery to sit there and look at now or have to take it down and that's just hard. I can't believe anybody would do that to somebody. See how foreign that is? Faith is to this world. The world says seeing is believing. Jesus said believing is seeing. Even when Lazarus did, he told, he told Mary, he said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe that you would see the kingdom of God, you'd see the manifest power of God? But you've got to believe it first. And if you, listen, if you really do believe it, put in a nursery, that's not really hard to do. You can go and buy furniture and do that. That doesn't make you believe it. And That's where people get messed up. They see somebody, they copy that. That don't mean you believe it. You just copied what somebody else did. But if you're putting in furniture because you believe that God's going to bring you that baby and you need to have furniture. Amen. Amen. Then that's believing it. But you have to believe it. What are you believing in? God's not going to give you a baby because you buy furniture. He's going to give you a baby because he said be fruitful and multiply. you got the word of God for it. you got to have God's permission not to have babies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Opens up a whole other subject, don't it? <laughs> God said be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. So get with it. And, and, and so they went and got nursery. And, and, and I had taught them and what they did. No formula here now. Don't copy a formula. I'm not trying to give you a formula. This is not a formula. They would stand over. This is, this is the dad's testimony to, to me. And they, he would stand over the baby bed, him and his wife, each night. No long prayer, no begging, no pleading. Oh, God, would you, could you come on? None of that. Stand over the baby bed. They, they said they did this as a little, you know, routinely each night before they went to bed. They would stand over the, the baby bed. The, and stand over and they would just lift their hands and say, Father, we thank you for the baby that you're sending to us. We thank you for the baby. And then go to bed. On one Sunday night, back when we was really saved and we had Sunday night services, y'all remember those? <laughs> one Sunday night. And I tell you this because this is the story. I don't tell you this because, I mean, there's, there's nothing here. To, to get excited about. thats what You know, I mean, seriously. But anyway, i, I got to tell you how the story goes. We've done prayed for them four or five times. We've known them with oil. We've, we've prayed our best prayer, yet we still see nothing. God sometimes allows supernatural things to happen, like through the gifts of the Spirit and so forth, to cause the faith of that person to rise up where they can freely receive. It's not that God decided in that moment, I'm going to do something. No, no. No, you just reached up by faith and received what God had available for you all the time. So on a Sunday night, I looked out. And, and it was to my right, and, and my whole church was like this side and this side, and that was it, and just maybe that, you know. And I looked out, and all only way I know to describe it, any of y'all seen Star Trek, you know when they go to the transporter and they stand there and that light comes on them? I saw, I'm sorry, that's, that's the only way I can describe it. I saw a shaft of light come upon this woman, and I, was, and, and, and I can't explain spiritual stuff. I saw that. I don't know if I was seeing it naturally. I don't guess I was. Nobody else saw it, but that's what I saw. And, and by seeing that, you just know things in the spirit. You don't have to be taught, you know. That's why when they was on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus was transfigured before him, Moses and Elijah, there talking with Jesus about his crucifixion and the kingdom. And Peter and them didn't have to be introduced to Him. They knew. You know things in the spirit that otherwise you wouldn't know. So when I saw that light, I knew that I was to pray for her, so I called her to the forward. And when she came forward, our little platform literally, no exaggeration, was no, this was my whole platform. This was as high as it was, that one step. You remember? And so, so she, when she stepped there, I stepped off to pray for her as pastor. I stepped into the light with her alongside everybody in the room. And I laid my hands on her, and I heard the Lord say this Thou shalt bring forth a child. Now, everything I'm telling you is on tape to this day. And uh, I said, You shall bring forth a child. I didn't say you might get a baby, I said what I heard God say. You shall bring forth a child. And I forget all the specifics. Uh, but I prophesied that uh, to, uh, to uh, her. And uh, I can't even remember if the husband was standing by her side at that point or not. I don't know. But I prophesied to her. But when, let me say this. I left this out. When, when she stood before me, the first thing I saw was a rose, a white rose, folded up. And I saw it bloom full blossom right in my face. And when I saw the rose blossom, I heard the Lord say, Thou shalt bring forth a child. I don't know why you had the rose anyway. That young lady, anyway, God did a miracle. That young lady is, is 21, two years old today that I prophesied. And, and every now and then she will communicate with each other through Facebook or text or so forth. And, uh, and she'll send something to me and she'll sign it, your Cherokee rose. And I can call her and I can write to her and say my Cherokee rose. And we're the only ones that know in her dad what that really means. And uh, that's just a little thing we have. And I've noticed that things like that, that you've been able to, to just there's a connection there. But I jumped ahead, but does, but when I prophesied that to her within four weeks, I uh, now I would just say to you so that you know that I'm not superhuman, in those days I was a janitor and I was everything at the church, and I was the last one to lock up and leave. And me and Jill drove separate just like we do today, but... And so I remember that night locking up and, you know, all lights out and driving away from the little church. And I'm just being, I don't know, maybe this helps you, but I felt like an idiot. Because now I'm playing the video, the audio back in my mind. I'm like, they, they left with a cassette tape. I can't deny it. <laughs> I can't say, well, I meant this. I, I said, you shall fly forth away. Because, you know, in that moment, you're just prophesying under the word of the Lord. And then I felt like, you know, and they got the tape. They're playing it for everybody. Then. And their mama. <laughs> you know, and it, literally, <laughs> and, and, and in four weeks, and, and the, all, the only consolation I gave myself was, I didn't say when they're going to have a baby, it could be 10 years for all I know, heck, why do I know? God didn't say when. So I tried to make myself feel better, but I remember driving down the little street, and I remember feeling like a piece of trash, so, so stupid. I'm like, why can't I just be a regular, normal preacher? Why can't I just give three points on how to get saved, say a prayer, and go home? Why do I got to try to move in this realm and do all this stuff that makes people hate you? And, yeah, I mean, why? It's so stupid. Get it together, Dale. And I remember like, what if she don't? What if she don't have it? You've prophesied. I mean, just like God wasn't saying that. I mean, it was a devil. He was just just attacking me. And I remember before I got to the literal tracks, just God's presence came on me, so strong, manifested presence. And joy filled my heart. And, and, and I'm in the truck by myself now, so I ain't got no video of it. But it's just me and God, and God's here and everything I'm telling you. But such a joy came on me, and I just, I just started screaming. Because ain't nobody else in the truck, so I can act like an idiot. I just started screaming, what if she does? What if she does get pregnant? What if she does? And the more I said it, the more joy I felt. And I just encouraged myself in the, Lord, in the, in the word of the Lord. And, and didn't think nothing about it. Went on. Life goes on. About four weeks later. We walked into the house. All this, she knows. I mean, we did this. We lived it. Little, back those days, you had the little answer machine with the little red light. Remember those things? And uh, it had a little mini cassette in it. And it was flashy, so we hit the button to play the message, and, and it was the woman. Very shy, very timid in her, you know, she was just a very shy person. But, but when we hit play, this is what it said. It says, Pastor Dale, this is, and she gave her name. She said, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. <laughs> She said it three times for some reason, and then she hung up. Of course, we quickly called, and she said, "I'm pregnant." And uh, back, in then, back in those days, you wasn't—you know—you wasn't running around with a little. I'll keep it. Try to, but you ain't doing the stick thing at the Seven-Eleven. I mean, you, you didn't—they didn't have that technology, so you had to go to the doctor's office, and it was more like a round tray or something kind of deal, uh, a plastic cylinder thing that, that, that proved it. It was different than it was now. And uh, but the lady took that. Thing from the doctor's office. She's asked the nurses, Can I have that? Which they didn't normally give. And, and she said, Well, I, I guess it'd be okay. So she carries the proof to her parents and to his parents, like, See there? I'm pregnant. I'm, See there? I'm pregnant, you know? And so the baby came. And she's twenty, 21, two years old. So I may be off on that a little bit. And uh, God did that. But they began to rejoice before. They begin to prepare, even practically, for what they believed that God was going to do. That's what God wants us to do—to believe to just and, and so just whatever that takes to cause that unbelief to be driven out. How do we get rid of unbelief, Pastor? By filling yourself with the Word of God, by not listening to the negative. And 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 if you, somebody and you go to doctor's report, you know, go to the doctor sometimes and you get negative reports, and I've gotten them and you've gotten them, and you come back and your family wants to ask you what the doctor say. And, and 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 you know, but if you tell them what the doctor said I got six months left and you end the sentence there, that's not gonna serve you well. Because you're agreeing with the doctor. Well, that's what he said, the test prove it. Well the test prove what he can prove, but there's a higher level beyond that. And, and and so you you have to say, Well the doctor said this, but I but by his stripes I'm healed. And that's what I'm gonna stand on. That's what I'm going to confess. That's what I'm going to believe in. And you stand and you say that. And I want to tell you, my wife knows intrinsically what I'm talking about. I mean, I am having to live what I'm preaching to you. And and I know the battle in your mind. I mean, the devil tries to play a video of my funeral. He tries to play the video of my funeral. and. And you ain't gonna get to see your grandbabies grow up and get married. I mean, I mean, I know the, I know the. I mean, he's the enemy is ruthless, and there's the battle is in our minds up here. It's it's a war that goes on in our minds. But the Bible says that if we will stretch, see the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's at hand. A lot of people just won't even reach for it. See, that was a stretch for that couple to go out and do that. Just whatever. It's, it, God's going to stretch you. I want to announce to this church that we're in a season of stretching. That you, ha- if you haven't been, your time's coming. You're going to be stretched. If you want to receive what God's got, then then stretch forth the curtains of your dwelling, enlarge the place for your tents. Believe God. For more than what you're experiencing. I want to read Isaiah 53. and to listen to this. The, the, same, the same passages. Let, let me just say this. I'm just reminded in Luke. Remember in Luke? I think it's Luke 6. But Jesus is preaching in the, in the synagogue, in the, in the temple there, in the church, if you will. And, 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 and there is a man there that has a withered hand. Now listen to me. Un, under that system, you could not come into the building, into the temple, if you had a physical defect. The blind couldn't come in. The crippled couldn't come in. I mean, that makes for a real pretty church. Because you leave all the, that's why the lame man's laid at the gate of the temple. And it was called beautiful. You know, you can't come in if you're lame. You can't, they didn't allow any of that. So here this man so wants to be in the temple that he sneaks in. And he's got a withered hand, but he hides it. He hides it from everybody. But really that hand's withered. And if something is withered in your life, it's dying. It's not flourishing, it's withering. But he so wanted to be there. Jesus, by the gifts, discerned that. And he told him, he said, stand up. This is where people say, well, the Lord never called anybody out in the service. Yes, he did. He did this man. He told him, stand up. And so the man stands up. Jesus is preaching. He's teaching. He stops. And he says, sir, stand up. Man stands up. Jesus says, stretch forth your hand. Oh, man, what you going to do then? He said, stretch it. See, you're going to have to pull out what you've been hiding for all to see. And then you're going to have to do what the doctors say you can't do. Now, be careful with that. Don't stretch it. Don't move it. Don't bend it. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. And when that man stretched, he was made whole. See, God's calling on some of you to stop hiding the area that's been withering away in your life. You've hidden it. You're still in church. And thank God. But listen, pull it out. Go ahead, stretch. See, first thing you do in the mornings when you get out of bed is you stretch. If you got any sense, you stretch. You stretch. You look up the word in the dictionary for stretch. It means to, to extend one's body to reach what you otherwise could not reach. We don't like to stretch. We go on our six mile bike ride, uh, you know, she's more faithful than I am, but when I join her uh almost every day, but first thing she'll do, she's out there, my wife's out there doing all this and, and stretching and Doing, I mean, we're going on a bicycle ride. We're not going in NFL full contact here. What are, you, what are you doing? But she will not get on that bike until she stretches. I never stretch before I get on the bike. I stretch to get on the bike. <laughs> That's all the stretching you get. That's it. That's it. I stretch to get on it, and I have to stretch to get off of it. You know, but it's important. It's important to stretch in faith. You, you hear what I'm saying? To stretch. Now, listen to me. Isaiah 54 Verse 2, 3, and 4. This is the message, and I'm about done. Isaiah 54. Listen, to the, listen, I really believe this is prophecy to you. I really believe that this is not just a, a lesson out of the Bible. I believe this is prophetic today to this church and to you. Listen to what it says Isaiah 54. This is out of the message translation, verse 2, 3, and 4. He says, Clear lots of ground for your tents. Ben, you're going to love this. This is all up your alley, bro. Clear lots of ground. Lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. Woo! Listen, verse 3. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You hear me, Grace Point? We're going to need lots of elbow room in here. We're going to have to go to two services. You're going to need lots of elbow room in here. You're going to pass some of your brothers and sisters while they're leaving one service and you're coming to the next one. You mark it down. You're going to need lots of elbow room in here. He said you're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Verse 4, don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. You'll forget all the humiliations of your youth and the indignities of being a widow will fade from your memory. Isaiah 54, I don't have time, but I've talked to you about it several times, verses 7 through 10, where God says that I will never be angry with you again. I am amazed when I go to churches, I've been these last few weeks, and I've preached and I've told people that God's not angry, nor will he ever be, and it gets so deathly quiet. They do not believe in a non-angry God. They think God's angry, upset, disappointed with them. But Isaiah 54 and 7 says, God says, for a mere moment I've forsaken you. When's he talking about? During the law, during that season that the law, and they were trying to obtain righteousness by keeping rules, and you never can but with great mercies I'll gather you. He said, with a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. He said, this is like the waters of Noah to me. I've sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I've sworn to you that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. This is the new covenant that he's prophesying about. This is the new covenant. And then down in verse 13, he says, All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Listen to this. In righteousness. Why do I preach so much about righteousness? In righteousness you shall be established. Because if you know you're right, I'm going to read in a second, he says, your, their righteousness is from me. In righteousness you're established. You're, you shall not. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. See, the only way that oppression can grab hold of you is through the doorway called fear. So if you allow, listen to me. If you allow fear, then the enemy—it's like building a door for him. He will come in, and 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 bring oppression. He's not touching your spirit. He can't. But your soul, your emotions, your your, your nerves are bad. Your, you you know I can't take it no more. It's, it's your emotions. Oh, I know I'm in the right, I know I'm in the right field today. I can feel it. I can feel it. He says, that, he says, in righteousness you'll be a step." See, listen to me. The enemy loves to use fear. And listen, if, if, you, if, you, if you believe the liar, let me say it like this. If you believe the lie, you empower the liar. The enemy has no power and authority except what you and I give him. He has long stolen the power and authority that we've been given by Christ. So he lies to us, and if you believe the lie, you empower the liar in your life. Now listen, he tries to remind you of your past. Now listen to me. Some, listen, if you ever try to revisit your past, see the devil's great at bringing up your past sins, your past failures, but God never will. Because he said, I don't even remember your iniquities no more. I, I, God don't even keep a, charge, a record of your trespasses. That's what he says in the New Testament. That's part of the wonderful new covenant. So Listen. So but if you if if you view your past and all of us in here have the ability to do that but listen if you and I view our past and don't do it through the lens of the blood of Jesus at the cross you are taking a illegal view and you thereby visit deception because what you're seeing is not real because you're coming under shame and condemnation over sins that God himself does not even hold against you any longer. And you're seeing a deceptive lie. And if you agree with that lie, you empower the deceiver. Does that make sense? And, and so... That's why so many believers come under oppression, because fear is the doorway. And he said, if you will know that you are established before God when you're born again, that you're really righteous, then fear and oppression will not touch you. You And and terror, for it shall not come near you. Verse 15, indeed, listen, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Now, Now listen to verse 15 in the message. God says, if anyone attacks you, don't for a moment suppose I sent them. If any should attack, nothing will come of it. And then in verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their listen. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Now, God says, if anybody's attacking you, and you being attacked right now in your life, whether it's health, God says, don't for a moment think that I'm behind it. God said, I'm not attacking you. I'm not allowing it. The church says, well, God didn't do it, but he allowed it. He's trying to teach me something. God's not allowing you to be attacked. No more than I would allow one of my children or grandchildren to be attacked. I'm not going to allow that. No, no, God's a much better dad than all of us put together. So anything that's coming against you, if you believe that somehow there's, there's God's behind it some way, you won't have the faith to stand and resist the attack. The Bible says, Submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. You stand, having done all to stand, what? On the word of God. And you believe God. And you don't allow oppression to come because of fear. Because you're not standing in your righteousness. You're standing in his righteousness. Their righteousness, he said, is from me. No weapon formed against you. That verse literally tells you weapons will be formed but they just won't prosper. They won't accomplish what they were sent to do. They were meant to steal, kill, destroy, to take you out, to wipe you out, to end your, no, 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 they won't, weapons will be formed, but they won't prosper. And and, and every tongue, listen, tongue that rises against you, then you shall condemn that. You're going to have to open your mouth. When you're being attacked, you just can't lay there and go, well, I hope God does something pretty soon. I remember Papa Hagen, Brother Hagen Sr., had this vision. He wrote it in his books. He said it in many sermons many times. But he said that he had been praying for weeks about very specific things regarding the ministry in that time, and he needed the, the rhema to expand and so forth. And he had many questions, and he'd been praying for weeks to the Lord about so many of these concerns on his heart. And he said, so one night he went into a sleep into a dream and to a vision. Sometimes you don't know if it's a dream or a vision. Sometimes it's a drision. And we uh, don't, I mean, don't have to figure it out. But but so in this dream or vision, whatever it was, he said he saw the Lord Jesus appear to him. Amazing thing. And uh, he saw the Lord, and he said the Lord just walked towards him, and they were some distance like between me and Liz. And, and so he, he walked, and he, he, uh, the Lord began to speak to him, and just in a normal tone. And, and so he began to hear the Lord just begin to to answer the, the petitions he had put before him. And as soon as that started, he saw something. He he described it looked like a monkey, like some kind of uh, elf or uh, something. He described something demonic begin to just jump right in the middle of it and started jumping up and down and making all kind of crazy racket. Devils is crazy. He started making all kind of crazy racket and just and Brother Hagin said he couldn't hear what the Lord was saying. And he said the Lord had no reaction whatsoever never stopped talking in this vision the Lord just stood there and was steady speaking never even acknowledged that there was anything there and Brother Hagan said he was doing this he was trying to look around that thing was jumping up and you know doing just crazy mess like somebody's trying to keep you from here and just you know and Brother Hagan got so frustrated he's like the Lord's still talking I'm missing it and, and and the longer this went on he said he got so frustrated so aggravated he just said devil get out of here and he said when he said that he said that thing went, like he shot a dog or something. He said, and made a little racket like that and hit the floor, laid down, and just squimpered off. And he said, the Lord never reacted or anything like that and just kept talking. And he said he just stood there and listened to the Lord get through uh, answering his prayers and things. And, and then he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, why, why, didn't you, why didn't you make him leave? I couldn't hear everything you were saying. He said, I've already, I, he said, I give you authority. I've told you to make him leave. He said, why didn't you make him leave? See, we don't have confidence That that what we say matters. Because our culture and our world says nothing matters that you say. Nothing anybody says to you is true and it doesn't matter. But the Bible says life and death, that's your only two choices, are in the power of your tongue. And so you have to believe the words that you say. I don't have time today. I was telling the elders the other night in our meeting, God's really been dealing with me about our conscience. I looked up just the other day in the King James, or New King James Version, 39 times the word conscience appears. The word conscience. Now, sometimes it means don't be sin conscience. But, it, but it, nonetheless, but Paul said that your conscience can be defiled. You can have an evil conscience. You can have a weak conscience. You can have a good conscience. And so sometimes our conscience, the Bible says it would bear witness. With, he said, Paul said we need to have faith and a good conscience. See, a lot of us have faith, but our conscience ain't good. We have a defiled conscience as a believer. You ever heard, let your conscience be your God? Bad advice. But you can have a good conscience that can help you, or you can be a believer and have a uh, depraved conscience, a messed up conscience, a weak conscience. Paul said we need to have a good conscience and faith so that we may accomplish that that God's told us to do. So what does that look like, Brother Dale? So sometimes when I'm saying And if I'm praying for the sick or something, and I say, you know, be healed in Jesus' name, I said it, I know it's right, but sometimes my conscience don't bear witness to what I said. Another message, another Sunday. But I'm going to help us to see how important our conscience is and what we can do to purge our conscience of these wrong things that will cause when we say it, our conscience goes, yes. Because, listen, sometimes we as believers don't even believe what we say out of our mouth. Even though we're saying the word, our conscience is not bearing witness that we really believe it. But when our conscience begins to say yea and amen, Dale ain't just saying something he heard. He believes it. And that releases power that causes the word of God to be activated in our life for us to receive freely then what grace has freely provided. We need to believe God. We need to believe the word of God and believe it so much. Even through things. And I'm this past 48 hours for me, and I pray to God, I don't want to have to live these sermons. But this thing's going on and medically, and I know, and I know things. And even my wife went into the publics, and I'm experiencing all these bad things. One second, I'm thinking about if it's continues, I'm going to have to go to the emergency room. But if I know if I go to the emergency room, they're going to throw me in see ICU. And I'm going to miss tomorrow, and then they probably got me riding to Emory. I don't want to do that. And I say, do what I preach. Speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. And and, and then my wife was in public yesterday, and these things are happening, breaking out in a sweat, short of breath. You know, I know some things. <laughs> fighting, fighting, fighting. And she started singing. <laughs> Because I'm in a truck by myself, she's in there buying, groceries. she don't know. Lord, I rejoice in you, O oh Lord. And I just began to sing and sing and praise him. And Last night I, took my, I found a, my Bible's on my iPad now, but I still like the, the folding kind. And I reached on my shelf and I took out a Bible that's very precious to me and I just laid it on my heart and I hugged it. And I pulled it up close and I just began to speak the word of God. And I looked and I found the scripture that said, My heart is steadfast. Yea, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and praise the Lord. So I, I said, I'm going to stand on that verse right now. So I pulled the Bible closer and I just said it out loud several times. My heart is steadfast. For my heart is steadfast. Yes, I will sing and praise to, the, to my God. For my heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. And so Jill, we're supposed to go somewhere. And Jill come in and she said, Where are you at? And she hollered for me looking around. I said, I'm in my office. And she walked in my office and I was standing there. I was sitting in my chair with the Bible on my heart and holding it like precious. And I said, come here baby. I said, lay your hands on this Bible and push on it. And I said, agree with me that this tachycardia will stop. And so she laid her hands on the Bible and we stood there and I said I command my heart to beat normal as God intended it when he put it in Adam before sin ever entered the human race. I command this thing to, to stop and, and I, I just began to speak to it and and I said, My heart is steadfast and I and my heart is steadfast and I real sing and I will praise the Lord. And, and and you want to say that and you want it to instantly quit. But sometimes it don't instantly quit. I mean, give God's word at least as much as you give Tylenol. You got a headache, you take a Tylenol, it don't instantly quit hurting. But the reason you took Tylenol is because somebody preached the word one day. And they said, if you'll believe in this little white and red capsule, if you believe in it enough to invest in it, if you'll spend your money and you'll invest in this little capsule that we call Tylenol, that the day will come that you'll have a headache. And when it comes... If you believe enough to put legs on your faith and go to your medicine cabinet and take that pill out of there and swallow two of them and chase it with some water and just stand on that, that you believe in that in a few moments, in a few little bit, that pain will go away because we didn't lie to you when we told you. If you would at least believe that God's word is true, that God's word, that you heard somebody say that God's word is true that if you'll put legs on your faith and you'll take hold of the word of God and you'll believe in God's word and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe what you say. God's better than Tylenol. God's better than any prescription. God's better than any hospital. God's stronger than that. God's word's greater than that. Stand with me if you're not. I'm done. Listen. Listen. And so I can still feel it, and it's trying to take my breath. And we were supposed to go somewhere with our kids. That's, I mean, you, you matter. And, but more and more, just God's relationship, my relationship with Him and my family. Ain't nothing else in life much worth much. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you are. You're my family. But it just means so much just to spend time with my kids. I find myself sometimes in the last few days Tell my wife, I said, I sure would like to hang around here a little while. She said, you ain't going nowhere. But in that moment, I shouldn't have said that, but in that moment, my pain seems more real than my promises from God. But His promises are more real than my pain. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know, sometimes I've had folk that love me tell me you're too transparent. But I'm not... I'm not a fake, I'm just, all I know to tell you is I'm learning as I go through life. I know your struggles are real, mine are no greater than yours, But, but I just want to share with you, and I'm learning, and I'm growing, and I don't want a sermon to preach, I want a word to live on, and to live by, and I don't always say everything I should say all the time, and and I'm learning. And so she said, we're supposed to go. And she said, do you not want to go? And I said, no, I'm just going to go. And sometimes you just got to act like you healed, even when you ain't. And we went on to the place and we was at, uh, for, for dinner. And I was sitting there and she'd see me reach over and put my little fingers on my radial pulse. And Hoping that it's not running 140 now like it was for hours and hours and hours. And I'm having thoughts if it's like this when I wake up in the morning and I'm just i am going to do? I'm going to have to do something. And you know, the Lord gives you wisdom and you fight all these things. And I was sitting there eating dinner with my wife, just me and her. And I felt it like you flipped a switch. Boom, And we went right back to normal rhythm. I reached and counted the buzz, you know and she could, she could look at me and tell she said you feel better I said yeah I feel better it's normal let's just enjoy dinner and our kids will be here in a little bit let's just enjoy why don't it work all the time God does work it's never on his end he never wills one moment of your pain he is not the author of your confusion nor your pain he is the author of your faith and he loves you more than I'm able to describe to you and so if you are being fighting things and things are coming against you, the Lord says, don't think for a moment that I sent it. And I will give you this promise, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Oh, they'll be formed. There's a devil loose. But he won't get to accomplish what he wants to. Because God is still alive. God is still your father. And God loves you. And you are loved by him. Amen. You receive it this morning. Do you receive the word of the Lord? Will you rejoice even though you may be barren? Would you go ahead and rejoice even though you don't see the answer? Would you go ahead and rejoice? Would you stretch forth? Would you lengthen the cords? Would you shout for God's praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to me. That word says that if you'll stretch the curtains of your dwelling, you will strengthen the cords. See, if you'll just stretch, you'll be strengthened because you're stretched. You'll be able to receive what God wants to release to you, but he just wants you to stretch so that you can receive the strength that he's got for you today. I just want to open the altar in a different way. I know there's some people like me, even of recent days and moments that you've really been battling in in areas. Would you, by faith, just step out from where you are and acknowledge that battle and come forward and stand so that I can declare the word of the Lord over you today and to you in this prayer? Just come in as close as you can. There's so many coming i love you guys with all my heart i declare the barrenness is over the barrenness is over hallelujah for the lord says why would you choose fear and not faith fear not my daughter for my hand even is upon you even this moment says the lord for i have called you for fruitfulness And I've seen what the enemy has tried to do. But the Lord says that I will reverse that that even he's done even in this moment. And you'll walk back home to a different place and to a different season in the name of the Lord. I release that to you now, my sister, in Jesus' name. Lift your hands to God. Just receive. Go ahead and rejoice. Just go ahead and rejoice. Go ahead and rejoice. Go ahead and rejoice. Hallelujah. 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 For why would you choose fear? Why would you believe the prognosticators and those in the world that would project to you that this day is a day of trouble, that this is a day of disaster, this is a day of despair and gloom? But listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to the word of God. For God says, even though these things have come, I did not send them, says the Lord. Know this, that the days of blessing, that the days of fruitfulness have not departed even from this land nor from this country, says the Lord. For yea, my hand is extended to thee even in this hour. And I say, reach up and receive that that I have for thee, says the Lord. Come on, give God praise. Why would you choose fear? Why would you believe the lies of the enemy? Glory, glory. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't empower the liar by believing his lies. Don't choose fear, but choose faith. Believe. I want to tell you the best days for the church and for you, because you are the church, are ahead of you, not behind you. Don't listen to the media. Don't let them set your dial, your temperature, your belief system. For they do not know the truth. They they do not know the truth. They are just echoes in the land. They're just echoes in the land. But God's word is steadfast and sure. God's word is steadfast and sure. This is a change of seasons even for this house. Financially, it is a change of seasons for many of you. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't put your confidence in that. Put your confidence in the Word of God. Rid your heart of unbelief. You may have to turn down the television. You may have to switch it off for a season. You may have to just listen to the Word of God and cause your belief to be... Lift it up to a higher place that you can believe God's word. Glory, glory, glory. Father, I just release the spirit of prophecy and the declaration of hope and of faith upon your children. I thank you, Lord God, that we will not agree with the enemy. We will not be defiled by visiting our past apart from the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I release, God, prophetic, apostolic revelation of the season that we are in now. May their eyes be rid of the scales. May they fall. May they see you in your glory, in your majesty, and in your splendor. Father, I declare that their eyes would be healed, that their vision would be pure, that their hearts are constant, Lord, both physical and spiritual, Lord, in Jesus' name. I declare for every woman in here that is desiring of a child. I've seen this miracle so many times, I don't even have to even have to, even grunt to believe it. But if you're believing for a child, no matter what they've said, as I gave testimony today, and I could have given many more, receive the seed Receive that child as a gift from God. Be healed of your barrenness in this moment, right now, in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name of your barrenness. Any area that you've been barren in, you go ahead and rejoice. You go ahead and start making plans. You go ahead and start. See, last night, I had to put one foot in front of another, and I had to go to dinner and act like I was already healed. I don't know what I, I don't understand everything but I know this when I went and sat down and I said I'm just going to go ahead and live like I ain't nothing wrong I don't know no formulas here just walking it out but you got to get a baby bed if you believe you're going to have a baby you got to start planning for your living and start quit planning for your funeral I believe in life insurance but you need to get some life assurance you hear me you need to be assured of the word of the Lord to you you need to declare that I will live and not die my life will declare the works of the Lord I will be that living epistle amen sing girl come on worship stretch up stretch receive Stretch out your curtains. No weapon. No weapon.